player, coach, pain in the ass. <gasps> He's done it all on the gridiron from South Bend to Arrowhead. From football on the radio, back to football, then more radio, then a little more football, and now radio again. It's Tim Grunhard on the program. Welcome back here on the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, hour number two of the program. We welcome in Tim Grunhard, football insider, uh, life coach, uh, Chiefs Hall of Famer, Tim Grunhard. He's brought to you by our friends at Twin Peaks, looking for a great spot to belly up and uh, enjoy the big game. No better place than Twin Peaks, whether it's college basketball, uh, whether it's the NFL playoffs, uh, Twin Peaks has you covered. With TVs everywhere, uh, made from scratch menu, 29 degree draft beer, uh, premium cocktails served over uh, uh, ice balls, if you'd like. they got a premium bourbon selection, tequila selection. Uh, for me, it's a, a man-sized draft beer. You can grab that uh, right there at Twin Peaks. Find them online at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. That's TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Independence, Olathe, and in the Northland at the Boardwalk Shops. Uh, your spot, your headquarters for watching games is Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, Scenic views. Uh, don't forget about the scenic views. It's there at Twin Peaks, TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Let's welcome Tim Grunhard to the festivities. Tim, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's great to be on with you guys in Kansas City, down here from the Southern Command. And I am a little bit jealous that I'm not in Kansas City with all the excitement that's going on. And I talk to you guys. It's like, well, another Super Bowl. How about that? How about that uh, uh, thought process 20 years ago that said the Chiefs were, oh, my gosh, we're in another Super Bowl. But congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Congratulations to the Hunt family. Congratulations to the organization and all the players. And, and really, congratulations to the Chiefs kingdom and the fans. And, you know, uh, I was talking to – we had a little Zoom group going on with some of the ex-players after the game. Uh, some were enjoying some uh, uh, adult beverages. So it was a pretty interesting conversation. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, Mark Collins, I thought, was uh, the funniest when he said, listen, you have to beat the man in order to become the man. Yeah. And uh, that is certainly what's been happening uh, around the NFL right now. And I think it happened with Tom Brady, uh, where teams just go on there uh, on the field to play against, uh, you know, teams like the Kansas City Chiefs or the, the New England Patriots. And, you know, it seems like they change up a little bit. They don't do what got them there. Maybe they, okay. they overcoach or whatever it is, so, but so, it's just amazing. To yeah, me. let me ask you about that. Uh, you know, it, it, because I keep hearing that theme, and, and one of the big themes nationally, I think it's largely because a lot of the national pundits pick the Baltimore Ravens. So we have to explain why my pick was right and they screwed it up. I was right. This team could have easily beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They just did these things wrong, so the Baltimore Ravens blew it. And mm-hmm. I remember hearing that. Time and time again with teams going up against the Patriots, certainly when the Chiefs would lose to the Patriots, we would take the calls, how Andy Reid should have done this, everything that didn't work, he should have done the opposite, and it was obvious he should have done the opposite, and over and over again. At some point when everybody appears to be making mistakes against the same team, isn't it that team doing it to the people that are making the mistakes, doesn't the credit go to, yeah, you should have done this against Bill Belichick? No, because Bill Belichick had the game plan, right? Steve Spagnuolo had the game plan. He took away the run. By the way, when they ran the ball with their running backs, because this is they only ran the ball with their running backs six times. Well, you know, I mean, Justice Hill was three carries for three yards. Gus Edwards was three for 20 with 15 yards, or with 20 yards, with a 15-yard long. So that means he was two for five on the other one. So five of their six carries went for eight yards, it wasn't like they were busting 18 yards at a at a pop. Like, the Chiefs showed a run front. 
And I can't believe Jeff Saturday, you know, and I'm sorry to call him out amongst all the others, but he's the offensive lineman. And by the way, fancied himself as an NFL head coach last year for about 10 minutes when, when Jim Irsay, you know, continued his bizarre mind, bizarre behavior. That would, that would insinuate that he ever had, had found it. Um, but, and no one says, well, yeah, because the Chiefs, they threw the ball because they put nine men in the box. They threw the ball because they showed a front that was run defense. So we, we're we not just going to run into a brick wall. This idea that the Chiefs were just over there in a base 4-3, nothing creative, nothing going on, is, is preposterous. Like, where is the credit to what was being done to the Baltimore Ravens? The Chiefs studied what they do, had a game plan to take it away, and they took it away. Yeah, and, and I'm not arguing with that fact, but what I'm saying it's just amazing to me that a team that led the league in well, rushing. I know you're not, Tim. I, I just yeah. mean, like, no, I don't I, like how it's, I, the narrative goes. I, I get it, and, and I agree with a lot what you said. But I just it just seems to me that offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, when, when they get in these games against teams like Patrick Mahomes and, and, and Tom Brady, that, I don't know. They, they just seem to overcoach it, it, instead of just kind of doing their thing and, 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 and finding a way to be successful with God in there. Listen, this team led the league in rushing and I get it. I agree with you. And, and the cool thing about it is, and, and to, to kind of add on to what I was saying before is that, um, you know, you're right. Spags put eight guys, seven and a half guys in the box and said, listen, you're not going to run the ball against us. But one of the things that you didn't see now, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you didn't see, you didn't, you never saw Lamar uh, check out of a play to a different one. He basically looked down at his wristband, called the play, walked up to the line of scrimmage, and I'm not sure if it's because of something that Spag showed him and then changed and it just it it kind of confused him, or that's just something he doesn't do. He never called out to change a protection to cover up a blitz. So, you know, there's some things that, that, you know, you see guys like Patrick Mahomes doing and Josh Allen doing and, you know, even Tua doing where they go up to the line of scrimmage and they'll change and say, listen, we can't run what we have uh, against this defense and uh, make a change. It didn't seem like he did that very much. So, um, yeah, I thought Spags had an unbelievable plan against uh, Lamar Jackson. He, he said, listen, we were not going to let you run the ball. We're going to keep you in the pocket. We're going to limit your runs down the field, which I thought they did. Really, the only big play they had was kind of a broken play. Chanel probably should have had him in the backfield. And, you know, just because Lamar Jackson is such an unbelievable athlete, was able to get away from that sack and throw the ball down the field. So, yeah, Staggs had an unbelievable plan. But it just seems to me that there's a little bit of flinching going on. I hate to use that word over and over again, but it seems like the defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators flinch. They, and I agree, listen, the Chiefs dictated the action to the Ravens. But the Ravens never really adjusted. They just never found a way to get out of that uh, uh, doldrum they were in offensively. And, you know, and, and throwing the ball 82% of the time with Lamar Jackson, you do that, you're going to win every time. Lamar Jackson is not made to throw the ball 82% of the time. Yeah. And Jackson even said after the game, like, they were expecting some blitzes. And he said, but, you know, 50%? We weren't expecting that. That, that surprised us. So... Even a guy who's known to be a blitz guy in Spagnola, they were expecting some of that, but he hit him with it so often from so many various angles that Jackson even admitted we we we're not expecting what they did, but they never really adjusted adjusted to it. Well, and Tim, I'm interested in your trained eye. Um, were they all out pass rush blitzes, or or were they no. kind of like a hybrid 
pass rush run blitz, like a run fit. Like when they blitzed, it was we're coming, and if they throw, we're we're we're, we're committed. We're we're going to leave our corners. We're going to leave our secondary on an island because we believe we can run with their receivers and we can cover them. Certainly, we can cover them long enough. And, and effectively enough that, that we don't think Lamar Jackson's precise enough as a passer to get him beat. And so we're going to run fit these blitzes. And so it'll work as kind of a combo run blitz, pass rush blitz. Yeah, man, you, you hit on what I was going to talk about next with a point. Great, great uh, question. And yeah, that's exactly what I saw. And, and there were times when I kind of turned to my wife. I said, it looks like they're not even rushing. At, at times, the defensive line where they were just kind of trying to keep their gap responsibility and they didn't want to put themselves out of position. And they trying to trying to keep Lamar Jackson kind of in the pocket and kind of limit what he could do. But when they did blitz, yeah, that was exactly what they did. The guys that were blitzing were going pretty much full bore to get out to the quarterback. But it seemed like maybe two or even three of the defensive linemen were just kind of staying home and and making sure that if the Blitzer didn't get to Lamar Jackson, and we saw it early, you know, that Chanel came in and missed the missed the, the tackle on hit the Blitz, and he made a big play down the field. Uh, but the later on in the game, he saw the defense alignment, guys like Chris Jones. Now people are saying Chris Jones, boy, he didn't, he didn't have any tackles, and he didn't have any sacks, and all that kind of stuff. He didn't play very well. That's bull crap. He played very, very well. He did his job. He was asked to do something that was probably out of his comfort zone. And, uh, and that was to stay gap sound, to stay gap responsible, to do his job, not to get out of his rush lanes and to keep Lamar Jackson where he could make a play in case Lamar Jackson went in his general area. So the defense, it was an amazing, uh, plan that, and, and it almost looked like they were dogging it a little bit, but they weren't. They they were they were staying home. They were staying solid with their gap responsibilities. And when they did bring pressure, they brought pressure with guys. Those guys had no gap responsibility. Their responsibility is to get after the quarterback, get after Lamar Jackson, and and the defensive lineman. Like you said, they stayed home and they did their job. That was a masterful job by Spags to make sure a they 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 shut down the run and then b. They, they kind of made Lamar Jackson kind of claustrophobic in that pocket. Uh, and, and they, they kept him in there and they squeezed him in there and, and it didn't look like he was comfortable really at all the whole game. Yeah, no, I, and, and I agree. And I think they, they confused him. They showed him things that he hadn't seen before and it was effective. And that's why, you know, like, should Lamar Jackson get heat? Yes, he should get as much heat as Dak Prescott. Less than Josh Allen, I think, because I thought Josh Allen played really, really well. And, uh, you know, he just came up short. I mean, if that field goal goes through, maybe the Bills end up winning that game. But, you know, and, and so everybody can sit there and be like, well, we had the Chiefs. You know, we were right there. And if Zay Flowers doesn't fumble, you know, we win that game. Yeah, except for you, you don't you don't make those plays. And, and the Chiefs can sit there. And, and I know Chiefs fans do this as well and say, you know, if McCole Harmon doesn't fumble through the end zone, that game's not close. And, you know, all these different things. But at the end of the day, whatever it takes to get there and to get more points, the Chiefs do it. And that's right. the mark of a great team. They're not lucky four times in five years, right, in getting to the Super Bowl. They're freaking good. And let's point out that six straight conference championship games validates every one of their Super Bowl appearances. And I'll also point out they're two overtime losses away from going to six straight Super Bowls. That's how close they are. You, If you want to say, well, maybe they shouldn't have got there against the Bengals or last year, or maybe they should. 
Fine, but maybe they should have against the Patriots in 18. Maybe they should have against the Bengals in 21. Anything that maybe they got a bit of a kiss, they've got a frown for, and two others. They constantly put themselves in the playoffs. They, they First, they constantly win the division, giving themselves a home playoff game. They constantly get themselves a fairly high seed, and then they constantly put themselves in the conference championship game, which if you keep going to conference championship games – and they've won four out of six. They've got a 667 win percentage in conference championship games, which should be arguably the toughest opponent you face until the Super Bowl, and maybe still the toughest if the other conference is any good. That's not luck. That's not coincidence. That's greatness across the board. Well, you're going to hear the pundits, and, and we're already hearing them now, and we heard them all last week. And we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show. Chiefs fatigue is a real thing. All right. I mean, even down here, I'm kind of in a smorgasbord of people from the East Coast and from Florida and from, from, you know, all over North Carolina, South Carolina that are down here in this area. And they know I played for the Chiefs. So, you know, they're always like, Oh God, the Chiefs are in it again. Now we're, we, we can't root for them again. You know, and, and, you know, did a couple of different national shows and you could tell that the questions are skewed towards the Chiefs are lucky. The Chiefs are getting every break. You know, the officials are, are, are on the Chiefs side. All the signs of chief fatigue and losers is basically what it comes down to. You know, I, listen, I get it. I get it. Listen, the Chiefs being in six. AFC championships in a row. If you're not a Chiefs fan, you're probably a little fatigued with that. I get it. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl again. And, you know, people are like, oh, my gosh. You know, listen, I kind of had a little bit of that when New England was doing it, too. I, I mean, I appreciated how good they were. I appreciated watching Tom Brady play. But I was, you know, like, eh, maybe I'm just a little bit tired of watching them in the Super Bowl all the time. But, you know, listen, every commercial, guys, you know it as well as I do. Every commercial that's on, it's either Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey. Uh, you know, the, the Taylor Swift thing, which I love. I think it's a great story. I think it's fun. But people are just so upset about it. They just make such a big deal out of it that, you know, you know, nobody makes a big deal out of uh, Spike Lee running on the court during basketball games with the Knicks. Yes, they do. But she's up. Yes, they but do. She's up, <laughs> but she's well, up. You just don't, you just don't live in an NBA town. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. There are net fans and Celtic fans. And yes, they do. They actually do. Uh, so, but so chief fatigue is a real thing. So, listen, Chiefs fans, especially in the next couple of weeks, man, close the drawbridge, man the walls, because the Chiefs kingdom is under attack. And uh, you know, oh, accept it, down. enjoy it. <laughs> that's that's just part of what it is. Settle down, Mitch. <laughs> Settle down. Was that? Oh, did Mitch say Let that? me ask you a question. Do hold you on, have- hold on. Give me a twenty-second timeout. Did Mitch actually say something like that? Because if he did, I, I apologize probably. right now. It'd take it times ten, probably. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure. You know, uh, you know. My question to you, though, Tim, would be: Do you have to deal with the Chiefs? That's that's my question. <laughs> um, you know. Um, <laughs> um, you know. The, the, by the way, the, the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. That that's like a, a Hallmark movie. I mean, world's famous pop, most famous pop star falls in love with. Super Bowl winning athlete, and they have this magical. We were watching a movie happen. Yeah. I don't know how anybody who has any sense of romance in their life, and I don't mean like love romance, just any kind of romantic person could watch this play out and not think it's just the most fantastic thing ever. Um, one thing we're also seeing, though, while we're seeing the Chiefs fatigue, we're also seeing, I notice a lot of the national pundits, it's, it's starting to become more and more. Patrick Mahomes' best ever. So, yeah, um, yeah. guys who were kind of on the maybe on the fence on that a little bit, everyone's just like, "That's it, that's it." This proves he's been the best ever. So maybe, maybe this is we. This is the uh, uh, this that's is the a, turning point. Or, this is where 
This is when you become dynastic. Yeah, yes, th- this is the Patriots because now it's it, everyone's rooting against you, but there's universal uh, admission that your guy is the best in the world and maybe the best that has ever played. One of the things I think works against them also as well from the narrative is they seem to always take advantage of the mistake. I think that's why it gets yeah. magnified. Every team it's, in the It's why it was so frustrating when they went for it on fourth, didn't take the field goal, and then didn't get the fourth down because yeah. it's like – you got the turnover. This is what you need. This is your chance yes. to get an extra possession. All right, let's not let's let's not come away empty-handed. As they do always, you know, if you make a mistake, they make you pay. And and teams get those breaks all the time, but most teams don't take advantage of it. The Chiefs, if you give them generally, if you give them an opportunity from your own mistake or a call that goes their way, they make you pay for it. And so that I think feeds into the narrative that they get all the breaks because. They're the ones you remember. You don't remember the breaks you got in games you lost because you didn't win. But when you win, you remember the breaks you got. Everyone else does. The Chiefs win more than anybody else. That's I think, feeds into that narrative that the Chiefs are getting bailed out or helped out by fate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and you guys are exactly right when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, who's now trying to – is transcending the game. And, and uh, you know, I believe is right there with Tom Brady as being the best quarterback ever. Listen, the Chiefs have now played 17 playoff games. So basically a whole season under the Patrick Mahomes kind of era. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is 14 and three. He's 422 for 626 with almost 70% completion rate. Uh, he's rushed for well over 400 yards, 39 touchdown passes, five rushing touchdowns and only seven interceptions. Yeah. So that's pretty damn good. And when you do, and, and, I, and I tell people this all the time, when, you know, the difference between preseason and regular season is about a step, a step and a half as far as speed and intensity. When you get into the regular season to the playoffs, it picks up again to about another step, step and a half and intensity rises even more. So it's harder to perform that well when you get to the playoffs. First of all, you're playing under the idea that if you, if you lose, you're out, and every team is good, and every team has some confidence because obviously they've won a bunch of football games and then the playoffs. So to have a guy like Patrick Mahomes do those kind of things in those key situations in the playoffs, it's just amazing to me. And you know, and the other thing is, listen, he's only he's what is this six years starting? Six years, right? Am I am I correct with that? Mm-hmm. This is yeah. a six years starting six AFC championships. Yeah. I mean, every year that he's started, he's been in the AFC Championship. That, to me, I, and we talked about it last week, it's so hard. It is so hard to get to an AFC Championship. And just multiply that times 10 to get to a Super Bowl. That's how special this Kansas City Chiefs organization is now with Patrick Mahomes at the lead. Uh, we're talking to Tim Grunhardt. We'll take a break. Come back more with Grunhardt. He's brought to you by Twin Peaks. Great spot. Go get a uh, uh, hangover burger if you'd like. It's my favorite burger, the uh, fried pickles, my favorite app uh, at uh, Twin Peaks. Everything on that menu is made from scratch with TVs everywhere, 29 degree. Uh, draft beers. Why? Would you go anywhere else to watch games for happy hour? Best one in town. It's at Twin Peaks. Get over there right now and take advantage. TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. More with Tim Grunhardt next here in the program. All right, the Joe's Kansas City Barbecue burnt end of the hour answer. Six defending Super Bowl champions have lost in the Super Bowl. Who was the first to do that? Uh, the first defending champion in back-to-back years or just ever? Just the first one um, to? First one to win, the, to, to be the defending champion, play in the Super Bowl the next year and lose. Okay. 
Um, hmm. Not the Packers. The Raiders? Is it the go all the way to the Seahawks? Goes back further than that. Okay. Um, there were three before Cowboys? That. Dallas in Super Bowl yeah. 13. They lost at the Steelers. Washington in Super Bowl 18. The Packers in Super Bowl 32. The Seahawks in 49. The Patriots in 52. And, of course, the Chiefs in 55. Uh, playing for Joe's. a little Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. The uh, best barbecue in the world is Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. Uh, listen, we've got some warm weather. I'll bet you're itching to get outside. Uh, whatever you need, if you need some fuel, uh, some of the uh, you know uh, utensils, maybe some sauces, rubs, because you're going to do some cooking out. Maybe you need the new grill if that thing is... Uh, Falling apart, get over to the Kansas City Barbecue Store right there at 119th and String Line. They're across the parking lot from Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. Uh, guys are great. Uh, all the know-how, uh, everything you need uh, to grill like a pro. Uh, I'll be getting out and about uh, with the grill this weekend, and uh, it always starts with a trip to the Kansas City Barbecue Store. I am all stocked up. I went a couple of weeks ago uh, when I was out by Olathe. Stop on by, do a little shopping. A great thing for a gift card, too, if you got somebody who likes to cook outside uh, on your uh, holiday list. Uh, by that, I mean, like, birthday list, uh, you know, or you want a great Valentine's gift. Uh, ladies, uh, and, and my wife uses our, our uh, Traeger, uses our Weber grill. Uh, she's very good outside. Uh, get a gift card. Uh, ladies or guys would love it uh, to the Kansas City Barbecue Store. Can be used at Joe's Kansas City Barbecue as well. Gift cards are good at both the restaurant and the incredible Kansas City Barbecue Store. Tim Grunhardt's with us here in the uh, program, brought to you by our friends at Twin Peaks. Um, Tim, the snaps of one Creed Humphrey. I, I, it, it, you know, God bless him. He's a tremendous football player. And really good at so many things, but the snaps are just a, like, I'm terrified that they're going to be down. It's, it's third and seven. You're at the 36. You're in field goal range. You're trailing by one point and you, you, you want to try to get that first down and ice it. And there goes a ball rolling past Patrick Mahomes that he can't get on and they have a turnover and they lose the game. I'm losing my mind watching this. Why is this so difficult for Creed Humphrey? Well, I mean, that's definitely something they got to worry about. Look at the Miami Dolphins in that key situation against the Chiefs in Germany where the ball rolled back there basically and cost them the game. Oh, you're exactly right, and, and I don't get it. Uh, I know Andy Heck very, very well, and the one thing that Andy uh, is really good at, and that's just being a stickler for details. I mean, he really is good. I mean, he's a good football coach. He played the game. Uh, but he's known for being just a stickler for details, every little thing from steps to hand placement to head placement. And then, obviously, one of the things that fall under his privy is the, the snaps. You know, he's got to coach that up. And, you know, I, 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 I could tell you why I think he's doing it. Why? Um, because I think he's thinking about other things. Um, and sometimes, you know, you forget about snapping the ball. I mean, you, for people out there, you're probably thinking, well, how the hell can you forget about snapping a football? But you can't. I mean, so, you know, he's out there. He's, he's, And I'm not making excuses for him because they're crappy and he needs to fix it. And you're right. It's going to cost a game. But I'm giving you guys the explanation of, of right, how right. it can happen and That's why it usually does happen. So the, the first thing is, is that, you know, yeah, listen, you're walking up to the line of scrimmage. You're looking at the defense. And you're deciphering what the, what the pass protection is going to be. You got to call out the Mike linebacker. You're going to turn to protection or you're going to, you know, you're calling a play. You're chipping off of one guy, getting up on the other in a run game. 
And, uh, you know, you got a big, strong, physical guy right on your nose. I mean, for some reason, it always seems like the guys are closer yeah, to the but, center. But, but Tim, no, I, but hold on, hold on. Let me finish. So, no, because you, well, you got a guy in front of him. Tim, that's the job. Yeah, that's like, it, you know. I, I, I get it. And let just hold on, sir. And just hold on. I'm going to explain it. I mean, I'm not just going to come on and just say, well, he should snap it better because that's not what we're looking for. I, I get it. A guy who's lined up opposite is, him is not well, getting us down the road either. I'll be honest with you. Well, then, then I don't know. Maybe ask a quarterback. I mean, I, I don't know. So, so basically what, what, what happens is they forget about the snap. All right. And the snap many times will be low or high. And they're, and, and he's worried about all the other little things and not worried about the snap. The snap is the most important thing in the play. The quarterback's timing, everything in the play is predicated on making sure that that snap is where it needs to be in order to implement and, and run that play. So I agree with you. I don't understand it. And, and, you know, it has to happen in practice, right? Don't you think? I mean, so if it's happening in a game, I would it's probably happening in practice. Yeah, I would so, assume. But, I, I, listen, I understand, you know, now that Nick Allegretti's playing, I'm I'm open to the idea of Nick Allegretti playing center and Creed Humphrey playing guard. We saw it in that throwaway game against the Chargers. But here's, here's where I'm at. Like, I'm not going to say Patrick Mahomes has got to go yell at him or get him on the field, but I, I am – at a point where a little Tom Brady red ass in a guy's face, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I, I, if Andy Heck won't do it, someone else has got to. Absolutely. I mean, Joe Cullen has challenged Chris Jones, who is, you know, two steps away from the Hall of Fame. And Creed Humphrey looks like he might be that kind of player as well, but he's four or five steps away. If Joe Cullen can challenge Chris Jones on the sideline, somebody can get their ass in front of Creed Humphrey and say, let's go, because it, you're, it's all mental. And I'll say this. I, I had, you know, looking back on it, I didn't have this thought looking back on it, but but now when they were, you know, when they hit the, the height of their sloppiness against the Raiders, and that was mm-hmm. apparently the come to Jesus with Matt Nagy and, you know, let's get the play in. Let's give them time to get out there because they were getting to the line of scrimmage with five seconds. They couldn't do their motions. They couldn't really look at things. It's like, okay, if if um, you need a little time for for Rashi Rice to process, okay, here's the safety. Here it is. Let me see where they are. Okay, now I know what I'm going to do on this route. Here's what it is. Well, then I'm sure Creed Humphrey and the offensive line could use a little extra time as well to try to see if the, you know, the linebacker will start leaning forward or whatever it is that can give them a clue as to where it is. But once they figure that out and Rashi Rice now seems to be able to get it all and he's a rookie, there is no excuse. None. No excuse whatsoever. And I know you started with that. I know you agree with me, Tim, and you were given the breakdown of it. And, and I, and I mm-hmm. think you're right. I think that's a great breakdown. There is more going on for him than anybody else. It's not just his assignment. It's everybody else's assignment. And so if that's it, like, <clears throat> we don't know. You might be able to see some things, right? But those of us that didn't play center at the NFL level, we don't know. The coaches certainly do. If he's late on calls, if he's late figuring it out, then he can't play the position, can he? Then you take him and put him at guard. Yeah, um, and obviously that's not going to happen this year, but it could be a possibility next year if this would, is would, one of the would, things. Would, would it be, like, how much of a problem would it be? Nick Allegretti showed that he could play center. He's having to play right now. If Nick Allegretti's going to go anyway, would they be better off this week playing, practicing him at center and, and making the switch? And, and yeah, I think the, I think yeah. they won't won't do it. But I'm asking yeah. you if it, if it's something they should consider. I mean, they should consider it if uh, Allegretti 
has shown the ability to be able to snap the ball more efficiently and on time and make all the calls and do all those things. I don't know because I'm not in practice. I'm not sure. I I, I like Nick Allegretti. I think he's he, he brings a lot of energy, a lot of juice. I thought he was great of, last week. He was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, but uh, – so I, I want to get back to your your original your point about um, you know somebody's got to get in his face and I you know I love to talk from experience because listen that that that's why I, you know, I get brought on these shows is you know because I have experience in these situations. Steve DeBerg lit me up, absolutely lit me up, and the third or fourth game I played as a rookie, he said, "Listen, I got to get the ball out." In my and it wasn't about low snaps; it was about having a snap to the left and not to the right. He says, I got to catch the ball on the left and then get it back over to the right and throw a timing pass out into the flat. And I can't do that if you're going to step it like crap over to the left all the time. And I got to reach to the left and I got to turn my body. And he said, you know, if you can't do it, we'll get Webby in here because I don't want you in here playing. And he got on my, and then Howard Mudd, who was my offensive line coach, I mean, constantly was riding my ass about snaps. Alex Gibbs, you want to talk about an intense, crazy man. Same thing. So maybe to your point, I, I know Andy. I'm talking about Andy Heck. That's not his personality. Maybe it needs to change. Maybe he needs to get in his face a little bit. Maybe you're right. Maybe Patrick Mahomes needs to go over there and say, hey, listen, Creed, I, I'm, I can't feel bouncing balls back there and run the damn play. If you can't do it, then we'll find somebody who can. And then, you know, you, you start to remember and think about it, and, and it's a point of emphasis in your mind. Right now, I don't think, and, and that was what I, the point I was trying to get to, he's not thinking about it. He's just taking it for granted. And the last thing you can do, you are a center. Your responsibility, the first responsibility is not to block the guy in front of you. It's not to make the call. It's not to get the huddle right. It's to get the snap right. That is your job. And if he's not doing it correctly, which he is not, it needs to be addressed. Now, I just don't think that the answer would be in the Super Bowl game to take a guy who hasn't played center all year and put him in there because who knows what would happen. But I like I like the idea of it being accountable and if he's not doing it right, there has to be some repercussions. There's no repercussions. You're exactly right, Saran. But there is a lot that goes into it. But the, but but getting back to my original point, there's no excuse because your job, just like a quarterback, your job is to run the offense, right, hand the ball off and throw it. As a center, your job is to snap the ball first. That's your job. And if you're not doing it correctly, then guess what? Find somebody who can we're talking to Tim Grunhard here in the program. We'll take a break. Another segment still to go with Tim Grunhard. He's brought to you by our friends at Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks you got me going on that one, sir. I love you, buddy. <laughs> I, I am, I'm like sweating over here. My favorite was, I, I, well, if you don't like my answer, then ask a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite one. I just stifled a laugh on that one. Yeah, that was fantastic. You know that's, why, that's why I love coming on this show. I swear to God. I, I, it's a love-hate relationship. I mean – you you could get me so riled up at this that more than anybody else, and more than my wife's looking at me like she's like lifting her hands up. What's the problem? What's going on? Why are you fighting with sweat? 
I love him, Sarah. I love him. I swear to God, I do. I hate him, but yeah. I love him. Yes, uh, I'm the annoying brother. He can't punch because mom likes me more. Uh, that's that's the problem. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's actually because Tim's a good guy, and uh, that's the reason I I won't get punched. Uh, Timmy's the best. Uh, he's brought to you by our friends at Twin Peaks, TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Whether it's uh, lunch, dinner, uh, game time, nobody has a better setup for you to watch games uh, with your fellas. Uh, get together and uh, check out all the games with all the TVs. TVs everywhere. No place has a bad view of the game at Twin Peaks. And of course, that made from scratch menu. The uh, 29 degree draft beers and uh, of course uh, the most scenic views in town. Eats, drinks, scenic views, and the best happy hour. It's at Twin Peaks. Find them online at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Welcome back here on the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Seren Petro with you, Curtis Siebelt, Adam Gravetta, and, of course, Tim Grunhart with us, uh, talking some Chiefs football as he does each and every Tuesday in the uh, program. Uh, we'll try to keep Tim a little calmer uh, in this segment. Um, you know, we don't want him to get a conclusion. You're the Travis Kelsey of this relationship. Okay. I'm Jason. You're Travis. You know the commercials when the sure. mom has to come in and stop Travis from – from teasing his little brother or big brother or whatever it is. Yes. Yes, too. I mean, mom would come in right now and say, you know, Seren, stop it. So I like it. I like it. I'll take it. I'll take that. I'll be Travis Kelsey. Uh, that that makes. Um, I think my wife will take it. That makes her Taylor Swift. So uh, you know, Whoa. Uh, good times go. here in the uh, in the old Petro house. Um, hmm. All right. I want to I want to talk a little bit about uh, w- what you saw from um, you know. The, the defense and, and what, what they were doing to really frustrate him. I know we touched on this a little bit, but was, was this just a matter of, like, I, I saw some breakdowns of, like, a 3-2 and a 4-1 that they were constantly, though, in nickel and even dime, which, yeah. you know, and then blitzing against the run. Um, you know, and I, that's why I think one of the reasons why everyone's like, why did you only run the ball with the running back six times? Um what adjustments could the Ravens have made? I think the one thing that I would say is Lamar Jackson should have run more. Mm-hmm. Like they should have tried to spread things out and given him some run lanes, drop back a quick look. Is there a slant there? Do we have something quick and then take off and run? I'm surprised they didn't come up with more Lamar Jackson runs. Are you surprised they didn't? Yeah, and I and I think that kind of gets back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. And I and I am not trying to say that Lamar Jackson isn't smart enough to do some of the things that he needed to do against the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought Spags had an unbelievable plan. He confused uh, Lamar, and I think anytime you're confused, you hesitate. Anytime you hesitate in the NFL, we've talked about it for years now. You lose. So to to your to your question about you know what could they have done. Number one, I, I like what you just said a little bit about, and I was wondering why they didn't run a little bit of more RPOs because if you're going to have a little bit of play action, as much as they've run the ball, especially early in the game, those linebackers of safety certainly would have bit or at least moved out of their zone or uh, you know lost track of the guys they had in man a little bit just to, to, to understand that, hey, listen, we've got to stop the run if they hand this off. And I think Lamar would have had some opportunities to throw the ball quick and, you know, read basically one or two guys. You know, an RPO, you're usually reading whether it's reading the outside linebacker on the weak side to the safety or you're reading the strong side backer to the safety is basically the two guys that you read. And if those guys step up, then you throw the ball. If those guys open up, you hand it off. And they didn't do that. The other thing that I was surprised they didn't do because I thought Josh Allen had a pretty good playing against the Chiefs, uh, you know, at times during the football game last week is the plus one run. 
they, for some reason, they just don't like to do that with Lamar Jackson. You know, get him into a counter situation where he's following big guys like Stanley or some of those big guys that are pulling around and, you know, just sit back and, and all of a sudden now you got a lead blocker with a big offensive lineman. You're cutting the defense at the point of attack and then you're clearing out. And, and they didn't do any of that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I thought there were some different things that they could have done. The Chiefs said this, and we're not going to let you run the ball. And we don't think that you can beat us deep. We think our corners and our safeties can limit the deep ball. So we're going to take away two of your, your main options that you want to do. Run the ball and make some big plays. Because Lamar Jackson, to be brutally honest with you, uh, he, he's not the kind of quarterback that has those 15 or 14 play drives. He makes a mistake or he'll, he'll turn it over or he'll miss a pass or two. He's a great quarterback, don't get me wrong, but he's not as polished a quarterback as maybe a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes or even even a Burrow is. You know, he, he's more of an athletic quarterback, and, and I'm not taking anything away from him. He had an unbelievable year, but there are some things that he just doesn't do as well as maybe those guys do. And they didn't see – and it seemed like they the Chiefs put him in a situation where they were running – they had to run those things that, that he didn't do well. And, and that's what a great defensive coordinator does. It puts those quarterbacks in a position where they're uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And, I, and I've got the game uh, rolling while we're chatting uh, up on the TV. And um, I just saw the Leo Chennault miss tackle. And, by the way, I'll, I'll give him a little a little more leeway than most people are. It wasn't like he squared him up you know, before the touchdown. It wasn't like he squared him up. He came around the edge, got one hand on him. It would have been a hell of a tackle if, if he would have made it. But uh, it, it's certainly frustrating to watch. In, in what got me game. on those two plays, there was a second one that was missed by somebody. Don't go up high on the guy. Yeah, that's it. He does that, that that's shoulder duck. Chanel was kind of coming around the it's edge. The he wasn't that's just true. running and breaking down a form tackle, you know, and, and he went over the top. Uh, Drew Tranquil had one later. Yeah, that's what it was. Where, where it was. And he obviously, you don't think you're going high. I mean, let's give some credit to Lamar Jackson. He's been elusive yeah. his whole Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and they did a fine job against him. Uh, you know, I, I you know great credit to him. And how about some credit to Patrick Mahomes, the runner? I mean, he continues to just kill people. Um, when okay, we defended this, we got him. He's got nowhere to go with the ball, and then here he comes, leaking out of there and running for a first down. In fact, in his playoff career, uh, he has rushed for. Um, like 460 yards or something crazy. 458 yards, but 31 first downs in the postseason. Huh. 31 wow. first downs. So that's okay. like two a game where you think you got him because we know they don't call runs for him. They, you think you got him, and he takes off and, 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 and buys a new set of downs and lets Andy get deeper into that play card. And two things real quick. Number one, uh, it, to stick up for Chanel a little bit, even Drew Tranquil, uh, it, it's hard to tackle a quarterback now legally. Yes. I mean, the, stri- the strike zone is so – it's be like between the, the, the numbers and the thigh pads. I mean, if you hit him below the, the knees or you hit him up ahead by the head, you're going to get a penalty. So it's hard to tackle the quarterback. And, and then the other thing is, did you guys catch – um, the the theme that Romo and those guys were trying to get across that the night before the game, we talked to the Baltimore defensive players, and they were going to punish Mahomes if he ran the ball. We were going to punish him, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he better watch out. You know, listen, Patrick Mahomes, the reason why I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be better, it may even be better than Tom Brady, is that he has 
the legs to get himself out of trouble that maybe Tom Brady didn't have. So some of the plays that he makes, if you look at, like, let's say you can go back to the playoffs against the Tennessee Titans with that big run he had. Or, you know, even against in the Super Bowl when he had a crappy ankle against the the Eagles and got, you know, was running the ball, making first downs in, in key situations. That's something that Tom Brady couldn't do as well. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, he can throw the ball as well as Patrick, as Tom Brady, but he can also run the ball and get himself out of trouble. And that's why there's flaws with Lamar Jackson. He cannot throw the ball as well as Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. Then Patrick Mahomes can run, maybe not as fast and as quick, but as effectively as Lamar Jackson can. And he knows what the call. It's man, their backs are to me. I can go a long ways on this one. Uh, or at zone, they're looking at me. I'm not going to be able to get that far. I mean, he just, he, he, I've never seen anybody that is so aware of every game situation that is going on. He knows the clock. He knows the score. He knows the defense. He knows, you know, where the holes are. He has the spatial awareness of where he can throw the ball. I mean, it, it's amazing how in control of the game he is. He is truly a field general. Hey, Saran, let's, let's go back to draft day when, when they took Patrick Mahomes. In your wildest dreams, did you ever expect even half of what you're getting out of him right now? Um, I loved him in college. You know, people who've listened to the show know we were hyping him up, you know, thinking we were, you know, hey, I love this kid in the third round was where we started talking about him when the draft projections were there. But no, God, no. No, I mean, I don't, I don't know how anybody – could yeah. project, you know, I was the high water mark. I, I saved a lot of crap that I probably shouldn't. And I came across one of our, there can be only ones where we all predicted how many touchdowns he'd throw that rookie year. And I was high water at 32. <laughs> right. And I said, listen, I want to be clear. I, you know, and I think Curtis had like 28 or something. Somebody else had 24. You know, the franchise record was 30 when he got here. And it was by Len Dawson way, way back in the day. And so I think I was as bullish as anybody, but did I think 5,050 his first year as a starter? No. Did I think, you know, once he went to the first Super Bowl in the second year, did I think they would go to more? Yes. You know, how many? I think we said we would put the over-under on Super Bowl appearances at, like, because he had done it so fast and so quick, and Andy had been really close in the past. I think we said something like two and a half, you know, for for – Maybe after the Super Bowl, we said two and a half would be the over-under on wins and maybe three and a half or four would be the over-under. That's after we saw the first year. But, you know, I, I would have said, man, if, if he could have John Elway's career, God, I'd take it. Yeah, and he's absolutely. about ready to blow that up if he can win on, you know, in a couple of Sundays. You know, uh, my buddy Justin Hoover from Spinning Academy is going to get mad at me right now, but – the reality is that Patrick Mahomes was good at baseball. He was good at basketball. He was good at football. I think the intangible is that he's a great athlete, and he shows that in every game. The, you know, the baseball skills, we may, you know, chuckle about it, but, you know, when you feel that ground ball from the center and you're able to get it, get it, to, get it out into the play, that's being athletic basketball-wise, the vision. He's got unbelievable vision in the middle of the field, and he learned that from from basketball. And then, and in and in, uh, in football, obviously, you know, he learned a lot. But I think his dad and being around Major League Baseball players and being in that, that clubhouse that he learned respect too for the game. Yep. Uh, the intangibles of this kid is unbelievable, and it's fun to watch him. Man, I'm so glad he's on our team. He, he never quits. He's the ultimate competitor, and I think the most underrated part is just how smart he is. 
I mean, yeah, I think I th- that that part doesn't get talked about enough. He, he sees the field, and like I said, he knows every ounce of the game situation that's going on, and it's it is. I mean, there are a lot of physical gifts, yes, but he's not the fastest. Lamar Jackson's faster. He's certainly not the tallest. There are guys that are taller. Uh, his arm is, is really good, although we don't see much of the rocket throws anymore. I mean, I, I think it's okay to want, like, is the fastball still there? I don't know. I mean, he plays more like Montana than he does Elway. I'll be honest with you. And, and the way, it, you know, it's touch throw after touch throw after touch throw. Uh, it's just and a, boy, he had him Sunday. Oh, yeah, he God, did. Just Gosh. all over the place. Dimes everywhere. All over the place. Uh, Tim, will have another conversation to break down uh, what we think is going to happen against the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Talk more about uh, what they uh, bring to this equation. Uh, we'll dig deep into that. And, uh, of course, you know, the hell, didn't even get to Kadarius Tony and, uh, what, you know, his little fun on social media. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that next time. Because I can't believe that they're going to send Kadarius Tony to the, to the press, the press setting to talk to all the reporters. <laughs> That'd so, be interesting. Timmy, you're the man. We appreciate it. Great stuff as always. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. There he goes. Tim Grunhard, uh, our outstanding football insider, life coach. Of course, yes, he's a Chiefs Hall of Famer as well. Joins us every Tuesday here in the program. We'll talk to him next week. Get his prediction and get a breakdown of the Chiefs and Niners. We'll take a break. We come back. Sam McDowell, columnist for the Star, joins us next. All right, with a minimum of 20 attempts, what quarterback had the highest yards per attempt in a single postseason game? Brought to you by Good Sense. 